You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the triune God. Questions flooded my mind. Had I been working too much? Was I getting enough sleep? Was I washing my hands effectively after patient visits? All good questions if they didn't inevitably lead to deeper questions like, did I deserve to get sick? Is this a punishment for me not respecting my life and doing enough self-care? You know, despite being a chaplain who spent countless hours reminding patients that their illness was not a punishment for some moral failure, I became trapped in that same spiritual prison, that dark place where our vision goes dim and we think we see connections between the random twists and turns of nature and our own perceived moral failures. Just like with my friend's question, we try and seize control of the future, but through the back door, by thinking that a random accident of nature could have been avoided if we had just been a better person, that you wouldn't have gotten cancer if you had just been a bit more grateful or smiled more, or that you wouldn't have succumbed to addiction if you just could have projected success or positivity, or that your kid wouldn't have depression if you had just been a better parent, if you had hugged him a few more times. It's so easy to be captive to the illusion that we are in some way responsible for the things that really are random acts of nature or are otherwise outside of our control. Thinking this way momentarily gives us that sense of control over the most unpredictable aspects of life. But in the end, you know, correlating these laws of nature with human morality is really bad news for us and for our neighbors. In today's gospel, Jesus reveals this spiritual prison for what it is. He gives two examples of nature that are outside our control, and he asks the victims if the, he asks if the victims are worse sinners because they died in such a tragic way. The first example is uh, very much akin to the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston. A group of Galilean Jews were in the midst of worship when they were murdered by Roman soldiers. And it's as if Jesus is asking, was there something about that Bible study and the prayers of the Mother Emanuel members that caused Dylan Roof to enter that church and open fire? Jesus responds with an unequivocal no. You know, while we like to think otherwise, our gospel tells us that we are no more in control of the decisions of others than we are of the rain and the snow, tornadoes and tsunamis, earthquakes and falling buildings, which is Jesus' second example. The second example is about a building called the Tower of Siloam, which had unexpectedly fallen and killed some people. 
Here's a, a brief piece of trivia about that tower. It looked over a pool of spring water called the Pool of Siloam, which is also mentioned in the Gospels. The pool was believed to have healing properties. It was like some of the springs around here, and many of Jerusalem's chronically ill would spend their days soaking in that water. And, you know, though the gospel doesn't exactly spell it out, it's pretty clear that those killed by the fallen tower most likely would have been the people who were already sick. So Jesus is not only asking if the falling tower was a punishment, but also was their sickness, which brought them there in the first place a punishment. Again, Jesus responds with an emphatic no. Tragedy, sickness, and suffering are not punishments from God for moral shortcoming. Now, hearing straight from the mouth of Jesus that sickness and suffering aren't punishment is definitely good news. But as my own story demonstrates, hearing this good news isn't enough to keep us from falling into the trap of believing it. As I mentioned, as, as a chaplain, I had already, you know, intellectually disavowed any sort of belief in sickness as punishment. And yet I still found myself wondering, you know, if my own moral weakness caused my illness. And also in my work at the hospital, I heard patient after patient reflect this same fear. When I would press on them about this fear, all of them would confess that rationally, they didn't believe that God was punishing them. Yet in the midst of their illness, they couldn't shake that nagging question that poked and prodded at them from their unconscious. Why me? But it's no wonder we can't shake this fear, you know, given how much pressure there is from our culture to blame individual morality for physical suffering. From books like The Secret to concepts like, there is this term, success consciousness, to uh, all the commercials that remind me that I should be juicing. <laughs> you know, we're being shouted out from every direction that we can control the destiny of our bodies and of our minds. If we can just root out negativity from our lives, then we can save ourselves from the worst tragedies. Now, there are obviously some consequences to our thinking and our choices, but that doesn't mean that our fate, that our ultimate faith, fate is any indication of our moral strength, as our culture would have us believe. But just as with all good lies, there's just enough truth in this lie for it to sound all true, the lie that makes us believe that our, we are far more in control of our physical well-being than we actually are. But you, you may be asking, what's wrong with locating personal responsibility with regard to bad things that happen in our lives? You know, knowing your part in a problem, that's great. It's a, it's a huge part of 12-step recovery, of which I'm a big believer. <laughs> However, the problem lies when we confuse things like health and the ultimate morality or goodness of a person. Eventually, Correlating morality and nature will utterly infect our view of everything. For example, I don't know if you know of this, but uh, some tornadoes hit Minneapolis in 2012, and 
it was said by many that this was judgment from God because the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, this church's denomination, decided to uh, ordain gay pastors. Or from the other side of the spectrum, this type of thinking led many to accuse from the other side of the political spectrum that many who died in 9-11 were deserving judgment because they participated in the greed of Wall Street. The same greed that, in fact, most of our retirement plans are invested in. The problem is when we fail to unite around tragedy, tragedy which is fundamental to the human condition, and we instead, we point fingers, blaming the victim for something that frankly will befall all of us. We will all die, we will all get sick, we will all suffer, and however it happens, it will be a tragedy to us and to those who love us, no matter what. I believe this is why Jesus says, and if you don't repent, you will die just as they did. He's not saying repent or a tower will fall on you or you'll be murdered in church. Jesus is pointing to the ultimate price we pay when we blame suffering on moral failure. Eventually, the finger we point at others will turn back on us. We can't have it both ways. Jesus invites us to repent from the kind of thinking that ultimately links our mortality to our morality. If the suffering of others is due to moral failing, then our own suffering will be too. Thus, we will die believing that God is after us rather than for us, which is the great tragedy in this story. When Jesus ends this discussion with the parable of the fig tree, he is giving us a choice of how we see God. Is God out chopping trees left and right at the first sign of failure? Or is God looking for any excuse to continue nurturing the life that we have? Jesus presents us with this choice, but it is clear which choice he would have us pick. Choose life and choose it abundantly. Amen. nor the content of your minds. Even if danger is real, we will, through the power of Jesus Christ, still plant trees and laugh heartily and eat with our friends and cast out demons and share bread and wine and squeeze every single drop of beauty out of this life. So, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Be not afraid.